Live from WNUR News, I'm Justine Fisher. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Wednesday, October 11th. Tonight on WNUR News, armed robberies around campus. A dialogue with the Dean featuring the CEO of HBO. Some insights on fantasy football and the NU Sports Report. These stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. After a spate of robberies affecting Northwestern community members, university administration sent out an email on the subject. Brendan Prizman has the story on how students reacted. Several incidents of armed robberies. The email said that some of those robberies impacted Northwestern community members. It also said the robberies tend to occur at night or early in the morning. Considering that most students consider Evanston and campus to be relatively safe, the email was a shock. Senior Michael Bartholomew says the email surprised him, but also made a lot of sense. Well, I was honestly very surprised because I haven't experienced any of that to myself um, while living off campus, while walking around campus. But there was a part of me that wasn't completely shocked just because um, I have been seeing some like odd activity, I guess you could say. like. He also noted that isolated incidents of crime and violence occur fairly frequently in Evanston. What happened with last spring with the active shooter on campus, there's just these little blips that happen in Evanston. I mean, I've lived in Evanston all my life. There are these blips in crime that sort of just happen. It's not a consistent thing at all, but um, it was something that I wasn't 100% shocked to see. Kavya Bhutani, a sophomore at Northwestern, was shocked mostly because the email was the first time she had heard of the incidents. Um, I was a little surprised to see it. I think I haven't heard about these robberies happening, so it's a little, like, I feel like it, those things kind of would have spread through word of mouth or something, not, but, like, it, since they're sending an official statement about it now, I would have expected to see an initial statement about it, like, a statement about it from the university earlier. Bhutani thinks part of the reason for this lack of communication is due to the gap between Northwestern and the wider Evanston community. I mean, Northwestern's not really connected to the Evanston community. Like... Um, we are separate from it to a strong extent in the fact that, like, most of us, like, specifically act like an underclassman who lives on campus, so it makes sense that I wouldn't have really heard about it, unless the university would have said something. Bartholomew lives off campus, but even his travels into Chicago proper haven't caused that much consternation. But I am in Chicago quite frequently. Uh, I do work down there a handful of times a week, and so there was... Part of me, again, that's a little shocked that it's happening near the Chicago campus because that is in a, a very like prime neighborhood where you don't really see that sort of thing go on. Bartholomew also said that living in or near a big city does open the risk of exposure to crime. The idea of it is Chicago. It is a big city. In every single big city, there's going to be crime, and there's no way that you can fully stop crime in a big city like Chicago, like anywhere in the country, not just Chicago. So there was, again, that thought of this is just more a blip than a pattern, I would say or I wouldn't say we have some sort of string of robberies and some sort of scheme that's robbing students. Bhutani said she didn't expect the news to have a large impact on people's travel habits. It's possible that people would be, like, go out less, but, like, I don't know how probable that is. Both also noted that there are plenty of ways to protect yourself when traveling, especially when you're alone. I tend to know where I'm walking, um, and, like, just... I guess, like, try to keep an eye on where I am. It's not like I'm, like, specifically looking for anything. It's just, like, a habit because I get lost really easily. No, if it isn't the daytime, if it is any sort of time where it's dusk, where it's night, and you get on a train car and you're by yourself, get on a train car when someone else is because then 
you get that added security of having someone else that's there. If you get on the train, there seems to be a shady figures and uh, you feel unsafe, get off that train car, move train cars. There's no reason to risk it. And then beyond that, sort of keep to yourself. Don't try and stare at anyone too long. Just try and mind your own business while you're on the train. Don't bring out any sort of flashy belongings. The administration email also provided several safety tips. Aside from tips like using well-lit and busy sidewalks, not using headphones or earbuds, and keeping valuables out of sight, the administration also provided several safety resources. Those resources include SafeRide, Campus Shuttles, NU Guardian, and more. Bartholomew did add that he hopes the incidents aren't part of a larger trend. Um, yeah, just sad about whoever got robbed. It's tragedy, but um, yeah, hopefully this doesn't become a pattern. And hopefully Northwestern students continue to stay safe and aware when they're going out on the town. For WNUR News, I'm Brendan Preisman. Moving on to arts and entertainment. Last week, Casey Blois, an alumni of Northwestern University and the CEO of HBO, participated in the Dialogue with the Dean series, alongside Dean E. Patrick Johnson at the School of Communication. Jesse Chen has the story. My pleasure to welcome Casey Blois. Last Thursday, Northwestern alum and CEO of HBO, Casey Blois, joined Dean E. Patrick Johnson for the School of Communications Dialogue with the Dean series, where he delved into various aspects of the television industry, including the recently concluded writer's strike. The Writers Guild was uh, resolved. Um, I think everybody was happy with the result. Writers seemed happy. And I would say the whole town is kind of holding its breath and hopeful. Bloys offered an optimistic outlook on how the industry would develop post-strike, citing how negotiations between the WGA and studios are going well, giving hope for the industry's post-strike future. From your perspective, how did we get here? <laughs> and, 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 and more importantly, um, how do we not end up here three years from now? Bloys diagnosed the strikes as a larger phenomenon within the industry pointing to the rise of streaming services like Netflix as a large reason why the strikes took place. Netflix is direct to consumer. So the system that we had built up over the last 50 years with cable companies basically selling video entertainment, Netflix upended that. Lloyd's also commented on how the nature of streaming has changed the way stories are told on television. Um, these things, I don't think people realized 10 years ago when, the, when Netflix really came on the scene and started spending money, if everybody's doing 12 episodes, what becomes less popular is a network broad, a broadcast television, which was historically 22 episodes. Blizz also argued that longer television series were integral to providing writing jobs and training writers. 22 episodes is hard to do. A lot of episodes required a lot of writers um, and did a lot of jobs. And it trained people really well. Um, you know, if you're if you're in the middle of the season and you're trying to write the story, you got to get it done. There's no, you know, you, you don't have time, and um, it's a great training ground. But little by little, with episode orders getting smaller and smaller, that training ground went away. So between the economics of moving from cable to streaming and the um, the marketplace dynamics of the shows, it's really squeezed. Everybody. Although the writer's strikes have ended, Blois says that there's more work that needs to be done within the industry to prevent a similar incident from breaking out again. I think we're in for at least a few more years of trying to figure out what you also have now is traditional media companies 
trying to figure out like, okay, well, we move, we're moving from cable to streaming, how do we make money doing that? So we have several more years of trying to figure this out. So um, not that there hasn't been lessons learned, but it's not, that the industry is not settled. This is, as I said, this is one, um, this is one symptom of disruption, but there will be more to come. Floyd's also reflected back on his career as a student at Northwestern. But you uh, majored in economics. Talk about that decision. <laughs> and growing up in Bethlehem, it just was not an option. I don't even know what that job is. You know, like, I was working, what does that mean? You know, I didn't even understand. It just didn't seem like an option for me. I didn't know anybody who worked in the television business. So, it just seemed like an exotic thing, quite frankly, when I was here for people from LA. Despite majoring in economics, Blois was still passionate about working in television one day. Now that my job has gotten, I would say it's now 50% creative, 50% business, it does come in handy. Blois's college and career trajectory seemed to resonate with some audience members. McCormick sophomore Leanne Kim shared some of her personal thoughts. When you start out and like when you're in college, you're not exactly sure like what you want to do, like where, where you're going to end up. And it seems like he also is kind of just following like what drew him and just work towards that. Kim's thoughts on the uncertainty of college are closely intertwined with her contemplations about the future. I've been thinking a lot about like my future, like career, whatever. So I think it was kind of comforting to know that like not everyone knows what they're doing, but you just follow um, what interests you, what drives you. School comp sophomore Alun Herrera also shared her takeaways from the event. I mean, I knew the right of strike, but I didn't like know kind of like the rest of it. Herrera's sentiments were echoed by fellow school comp sophomore Sophia McGalley. I guess I didn't realize how much everything was changing because like, yeah. I feel like, like I grew up with cable and like I grew up watching like the HBO channel, but then like, like beginning of middle school, like was when like streaming services got really big. So it's like, very normal to me that we have streaming services but i guess i didn't realize how weird that is and how like off balance the industry is and like how like the whole structure is kind of not working anymore for wnur news i'm jesse chen We're headed into week six of the NFL, so it's time to check on your friends playing fantasy football. If you're not familiar with the sport, and yes, it is a sport, don't worry. Allison Rauch has more. With temperatures dropping this weekend, it's finally fall in Chicagoland. But while some are studying for midterms, others are setting their lineups. Fantasy football first developed in the 1960s, but as the internet got better, fantasy exploded in popularity in the 2000s. The concept is relatively simple. Each person in a league manages a team. They draft players at various positions before the NFL season starts. Each week, teams are randomly paired off to play each other. At the end of the season, the best teams move on to the playoffs. Today, 19% of Americans aged 18 and up participate in fantasy sports. And even if Northwestern's football team isn't doing so hot, many students are hoping to at least manage a star team. Marshawn Lynch, Oakland, I-City, California. OBJ, I'm him. Jamal Adams, I'm the best in the nation! Sam Keimweiss is a Northwestern senior studying philosophy and global health. He's got two teams under his belt this year. I've been playing fantasy football since middle school. I had a friend or two who's like, hey, play fantasy football. So I 
started playing fantasy football. Kaimois has a dynasty league with his friends from high school and a regular league with his extended family. The dynasty league is a bit of a different setup. Rather than redraft every year, each team manages the same set of players over time. It's a small league. There are only eight of us in my, my league with my high school friends. And we switched to dynasty senior year of high school so that we would stick with it. We have a reason to come back every year because we have some continuity with our teams. We have some continuity there. We feel a connection to it. It's, I mean, there are people there who I never would have talked to otherwise, but I've stayed close with them solely through fantasy football, which has been wonderful. Kaimois' team with his friends connects multiple times throughout the year with special traditions for their league. We draft over Zoom and we do a rules call every year in May over Zoom. And we have a trophy that we pass around. Uh, based on who wins. That's new this year. Last year we did when we did the rules call, I went over to my brother, because my brother is in the league too, and so I went over to my brother's house uh, in downtown Chicago, and we did a little bit of a drinking game with our friends. That was a lot of fun as well. It's really just a great way of staying in touch with people. Staying in touch with old friends is a great benefit for fantasy leagues in college and beyond, but it's also a great way to meet new friends. Christian Morales is a freshman at Northwestern studying journalism. This year, he's in a league with his new Northwestern friends. I was a football manager at my high school, and uh, all of the O-linemen were making like a fantasy league, so I decided to join them. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what started my uh, interest in fantasy football. This year, I'm in a league with, with like a bunch of other Northwestern freshmen. I've got to meet like a good amount of kids here at Northwestern doing uh, fantasy football. Aside from the connecting power of fantasy, it's just a good way to increase your sports knowledge. Jimmy Milas is a sophomore at Loyola Chicago studying environmental policy and pre-law. He only recently got into fantasy. It's kind of like a fun story. I had heat stroke while on a vacation. And so while my, my family was out at like the theme parks in Orlando, me and my dad stayed in my room and we, we just watched ESPN for 72 hours. Draft season was happening last year. I just got like engrossed in it. Milas is a league with his friends from home, as well as his friends from Loyola, Chicago. I don't know if you've, if you've seen Moneyball, but um, Billy Bean, that's who I like to embody whenever I'm, I'm a fantasy football general manager. Though he's relatively new to the craft, he takes it pretty seriously. He even made a spreadsheet for the draft. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I went on ESPN's rankings, which I think are just wrong and terrible. So, in my Billy Bean team, I have... Lamar Jackson, Aaron Jones, Ryan Robinson Jr., Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Dallas Goddard, David Montgomery, Jets defense, and um, terrible. I regret it so much. Jets defense aside, Milas says that fantasy has increased his enjoyment of professional football. It's fun to see names that you didn't recognize before, like Puka Nakua. I remember him from BYU, and now he's, he's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. So it's, it's just something cool to see, to expand my sports horizons. And if nothing else... I think it's a good way of men to fight against each other without physical violence. <laughs> you can you can snippet that, that sound. Men used to go to war, and now we pray that Nick Chubb can come back later this season. He's no, he's so gone. It's so bad. For WNUR News, I'm Allison Rao. This past week was a crucial one for Northwestern sports teams. Some looking for comeback wins, others looking to cement a place among the best in the nation. Gabe Shumway has the story. Hello, I'm Gabe Shumway here with your NU Sports Report on everything from this past week. 
With homecoming weekend being celebrated and countless alumni back in town this weekend, the Northwestern football team took on the Howard Bison. In front of their home crowd, the Wildcats were indeed the heavy favorites. However, while graduate student Ben Bryant had received the vast majority of playing time this season, interim head coach David Braun opted to go with the junior Brendan Sullivan at QB in this matchup. The Wildcats jumped out to an early lead with a huge rushing touchdown from Sullivan. Alongside a field goal and another touchdown, this time on an end zone pass from Sullivan to senior Bryce Kurtz, as well as a defense which silenced the Bison, Northwestern headed into halftime with a 16-0 lead. The Bison, however, would not go quietly into the night with a rushing touchdown from sophomore Jashawn Scroggins to open the second half scoring, while the Cats responded with a 35-yard touchdown pass from Sullivan to graduate student Cam Johnson. This was the last of their scoring on the afternoon. While Howard attempted to claw back with 13 points in the fourth quarter, they came up short, giving the Wildcats a 23-20 victory, their third of the season. They are set to face off with Nebraska on the road this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. However, they certainly weren't the only Wildcats in action this past week, with two games from NU's volleyball team on Friday and Saturday versus Big Ten rivals Michigan and Michigan State. On Friday, the Wildcats were in Ann Arbor and lost a heartbreaker 3-1 to in sets, dropping the first and third sets by just two points each. Graduate student Julia San Giacomo led the Cats' offense with 16 kills alongside Michigan native and Northwestern senior Alexa Rousseau, who produced 25 assists alongside a stellar defensive performance with 15 digs and 5 blocks. On Saturday, however, now against Michigan State on the road, the Wildcats were able to secure a 3-2 victory against the Spartans. This came on the back of a whopping 32 kills from San Giacomo and 50 assists from Rousseau, doubling her total from the prior day. With the 1-1 road finish from this weekend, the Cats moved to an even 8-8 record on the season. Their next game is set for Friday evening, where they'll duke it out with Maryland at Welsh Ryan Arena starting at 7 p.m. On the soccer field, this week saw a narrow loss for the Northwestern women's team as they were unable to close out a victory at 20th-ranked Wisconsin, resulting in a 2-1 loss with the one goal coming from senior forward Ella Haas at the 47th minute. This moves the team to a 7-4-3 overall record on the season. They are set to square off at Iowa this Thursday, beginning at 7 p.m. Continuing with soccer, the Northwestern men's team secured a 2-0 victory at home this weekend, taking down the Rutgers Scarlet Knights on the back of two goals late in the game, the first from Ugo Uchara at the 78th minute and the second from Javen Van Deventer at the 86th. This moves the Cats to a 9-0-3 record on the season, good for number 12 in the nation. That concludes this week's recap. If you have any interest in upcoming or past information on Northwestern sports, feel free to check out more information at nusports.com. I'm Gabe Shumway from WNUR News. A look at the weather for tonight. The average temperature today is 60 degrees with a high of 64 and low of 41. To start off the fall season, today was mostly gray skies with some light rain. Taking a look into the headlines. In a court filing yesterday, Northwestern denied allegations of sex trafficking and forced labor by former cheerleader Hayden Richardson. Richardson sued the university in 2021 for allegedly ignoring complaints from her and other cheerleaders. 
Tensions continue to build in Chicago as the city seeks to house thousands of migrants whose numbers continue to rise by the day. The Chicago Tribune reports that dozens of upset residents surrounded a Westside alderman last night. The residents have protested plans to use park facilities for migrants. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise won the GOP nomination for Speaker of the House today, defeating House Judiciary Chair Jim Jordan. But divisions remain as a floor vote on a new speaker looms. Israel, now at war, formed a unity government today as it responds to Hamas, which launched an attack of Israel from the Gaza Strip this weekend. That's all for WNER News today at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNURnews.org. That's WNURnews.org. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Erica Schmidt, and our reporters are Brendan Preisman, Jesse Chen, and Allison Rauch. From all of us here at WNUR News, thanks for listening. I'm Justine Fisher. Catch our next newscast on Friday, October 13th at 6 p.m. Now back to scheduled programming.